Presbyterian Church in America is a good home for us, and we're excited. But I want to say thank you so much, first of all. This, I haven't turned on this gizmo. mode. Just give me a moment here. It's on now? Yeah, okay. And uh, thank you so much for your support of Barbara and me. Barbara and I just celebrated 36 years of marriage on June 8th. And um, she truly is my one and only wife. That is a fact. That is really true. <laughs> and I can't believe she's put up with me all this time. And I'm just grateful for her. And I'm thankful for Kevin inviting me today. And it's an honor to be here with you. I want to encourage our hearts from the scriptures this morning. And I want us to look at Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I'm going to title this, uh, The Priority of Prayer. And I'll subtitle, How Do You Respond to a National Crisis? How do we, how do we respond to a national crisis? So when you get that, just say amen. You know, it's okay. We, we, we won't accuse you of being Baptist if you do that. So... Second Chronicles, chapter 20, starting at verse 1. Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Minyanites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and behold, they are at Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to help, to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Are you not the ruler of all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying, should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before the house, this house and before you, for your name is in this house and cry to you in our distress and you will hear and deliver us. Now behold, the son of Ammon and Moab and Mousir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us from your possession in which you have given us as an inheritance. See, excuse me, as an inheritance, O our God. Will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. 
nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Father, we ask you to bless this time now to speak to us, reveal your presence to us, and remind us and let us rediscover and let us do discover some for some of us the reality of the power of prayer and trusting you and knowing you and having you the god of the universe that we're never at a place where we're helpless or hopeless bless now your word bless now your preacher use this time for your glory lord jesus may your kingdom come amen praise the lord I grew up in a little small town, Clarksdale, Mississippi, so I'm a country boy, and I, I like this place. I like the, the, the rafters and the, the wood and this, the fact that this podium is made out of wood that this church was re- rehabbed from reminds me of the ruggedness of the cross. I love the smell of church. I love being in church, and this feels like I love the stained glass windows. This feels like being at home, so I want you to know, in case Pastor James starts pastoring you, just... It just, yes, just know he just feels at home. But speaking of Clarksdale in my hometown, my dad, you know, and this whole thing about prayer, he, my first lesson on prayer, I was like five years old. And my father said, don't go across the street and because you need to stay in the yard. You know, I'm going to work. You need to be here playing the yard. Of course, dad, we'll do that. I heard you. Of course course all the fun in the world guess where it is across the street all my friends they had the two backyards together and they would be back there and they would be playing things like uh canterbury wars where we would make uh rubber bands and get these round canterburys out of the trees and shoot at each other and have garbage tops blocking it oh i got you and and man we do it all day long of course i get carried away and i come back home And guess who's waiting on me? (laughs) Because I'd gone out of the yard. So, of course, I prayed. Of course, I ran to the bathroom and I pleaded with God, please don't let dad. See, we didn't get spankings. We got whoopings. Don't let dad whoop me. And for some reason, I don't know how I did it. I just got the courage. I ran out. I said, dad, you can't whoop me because I have prayed. (laughs) And he was about to, and my mom said, well, Henry, you don't want to destroy his faith. (laughs) So he let me go. And I said, my prayers were answered. Of course, the next day, same scenario, exact same thing. And I got caught, and of course, I go to my dad. You can't whoop me because I have prayed. He said, son, give your soul to God, but today your behind belongs to me. And I learned about prayer. You don't play with God. It's a serious thing. And then I saw my father on his knees one night when my mom was pronounced dead, praying for her to live. And she lived three years after that. Prayer became a big part of our life. But I never connected with Christ. I never knew Christ. I never knew that that was a reality. I knew it was something amazing to see my father on his knees, this strong man 
he was not afraid of anything. But what was this that had him on his knees? I couldn't figure it out. It must be something pretty awesome. And so years later, when I decided to take my own life and I decided I was going to end it all, um, being the intellectual mathematician, it was just a logical decision. You know, this is, if this is all there is, then I'm tired of all of it. And so let's end it now. Why wait? But Dave DeHuff, an Anglo-Saxon, I have to say it like that, a white guy from Philadelphia, can I talk plain? <laughs> came to me and said, you can, God loves you and he has a better plan for your life. And you can get to know Christ by inviting him into your heart. You can say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. You can pray to him and he will hear you. And if he had mentioned Buddha or Mohammed or anything else, I probably would be dead now. But when he said Jesus, my mom prayed to Jesus. And so I got on my knees October 29, 1977, about three in the morning and said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me the person you want me to be. And I have known from that day to this one, I will spend eternity in his kingdom with Jesus Christ. And I will see my mom again. That's good news. That's the power of prayer. Transformed a life. I certainly wouldn't be here preaching. I can tell you that if, if he hadn't changed my life. Isn't that wonderful? But what do you do when you face crises? What do you do when things are out of control? You can't imagine what's going to happen next. You don't know what to do. You're helpless. That's what the folks said here. Oh, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do. Where do you go? Well, look at Jehoshaphat. He gets the news. He says they are already at Tamar, that is in Gedi, which means it's like as close to from here, oh, about 40 minutes away to Montgomery, maybe even closer. Because the enemies, they had come down through the south around the Red Sea. And because when they traveled that way, no one would be aware of because of the mountains of their uh, gathering that large of a group. And by the time people realized that they were there, they were there. This was impending doom. This was a national crisis. It was a pandemic. It was about to wipe out the whole nation. What do you do? But Jehoshaphat, he called for a fast. And he prayed. And he sought the Lord. And it says three times in the beginning. He gathered to seek the Lord. They gathered. They came together to seek help from the Lord. And there they were standing before him to seek the Lord. But it wasn't always Jehoshaphat's response to first seek the Lord. He had come to a place where he was saying, I have no other answers. I have no other resource. He wasn't always like that. He was kind of tend to be like you and me. Uh, Ron Don said years ago, I heard him preaching a sermon. He said, you'll never know that Christ is all you need until he's all you got. <laughs> oh, that has come true in my life. And Jehoshaphat had made an alliance with Ahab. He's the southern kingdom from, I don't have time to give you all the, 
Kevin will give you all the background on this. <laughs> but he was a king of the southern kingdom. Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom. And they were in rebellion. And Ahab was, on top of that, a wicked king. But he had made an alliance by marriage, had his son married one of the daughters of Ahab. And now Ahab had invited him, hey, go against these guys, these, these uh, Arams and all these guys, and help me defeat them because we need to get that land back from them. Just ego stuff. And Jehoshaphat and naivete went along with it. He gets there, and then, <laughs> then the king tells him, say, look, why don't you dress up in your robes, and when we go out to battle, and I'm just going to kind of disguise myself, he should have saw the setup right there. So they get out there, and, and, and the enemy was that thought Jehoshaphat was the king, and they were told, don't fight with anyone, just fight the king. And they surrounded him and about to kill him. But Jehoshaphat, again, was alarmed. He cried out to God, oh, God, help me. And the Lord turned them away when they realized he wasn't the king of Israel. He was the southern king, king of, king of the southern kingdom. And from that lesson, he gets rebuked by the prophets. Why do you support evil folks, folks that God make alliances you shouldn't make? He was putting confidence in his resources because united together, he thought that things could happen that didn't happen. And so the king Ahab ended up getting killed at this experience. And so now these guys, when, when chapter 17 starts, it starts out that people were afraid of Judah, afraid of Jehoshaphat because the Lord fought for him and protected him. But now these guys got the impression, well, the, the other king is dead, and now here, here he is all alone, and here they are, the crisis is created. It's kind of brought on by his own, his, his own self. He had, he had went to other resources before, and it didn't work. But now we're, it's serious. And so in verse 5, he starts his prayer, and we want to learn four quick things from his prayer. See, you didn't think I had it outline but I do <laughs> ignore that preacher standing up there <laughs> we want to learn four quick things and let me let me start with verse uh, excuse me uh, verse five here then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and he said oh Lord the God of our fathers are you not the God in heaven? Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're a great king of a great kingdom with great power. And are you not ruler over the kingdoms of the nations? Jesus is the king with absolute authority, absolute power at all times. And he says that power and might are in your hand. And so that no one can stand against you. The scripture says whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Let me tell you, there's nothing going on in your life. There's no challenge you're facing that the power of God can't handle for you. That's good news. You're not beyond the reach of God's strength and power. And that's the first focus of his prayer. He focused on God's power. That's what we should do when we're seeking God in, in our troubles. We, had a, we have realistic challenges in life. You may not have something like this, but 
My wife's sister, a few years ago, had a husband who decided to murder her, locked her in a house, nailed down the windows, deadbolt, all, locked all the doors, and before he did that, shot her and left her for dead and sealed it off in the house. And she went to the window, and all she could do, she couldn't get out, all she could do was scream. And this lady said she had never gone that route before, but she just felt like she needed to. She drove down the road with the music on, the windows up. She heard the screams, and she thought, oh, my, I shouldn't get involved. But, quote, unquote, something told her, go back. And when she got to the window, um, Pam said to her, and she's giving me permission to share this story. Pam said to her, I've been shot and fainted. And when we got the news, the doctor said, we've done all we could do. And if she makes it through the night, she'll, she might make it. And we immediately began to pray. And I'm here to tell you, if you, she walked in here now, you would never know anything like that happened. It was a miracle. She is alive. That was over 15 years ago to this very day. God's power. Do we really believe it? Ah, that's church talk. No, it's not. We, we have a God who loves us, and by his power, he has transformed us. You, you, you can't change yourself. You have no ability. You have no desire to. You're not even willing. Even as a Christian, you're kind of stubborn. Come on. That's, so I'm in the bunch. We are. We all kind of, let's, let's admit it, right? So we need the power of God to be at work in us. And so when we pray, one of the reasons we pray, one of the things we focus on, one of the things this nation needs to focus on, this nation, our nation, is the power of God to solve problems for us. I wonder what would happen if the leadership of our country would decide, you know what, we're not going to meet, we're not going to debate, we're not going to argue, we're not going to figure it out. We're going to just spend the next seven days praying and fasting and seeking God for an answer. Well, I wonder what would happen in our country. I just wonder. And so he goes on in verse 7. Did you not, oh, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? That's covenant language. Abraham, you made a promise to Abraham. That you would be a God to him and his descendants. We are his, we are his descendants. They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary there. And for your name, say, saying, should evil come upon us, the sword or the judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. And for, and for your name is, is in this house and cry to you in our distress and you will hear and deliver us. Your name is in this house. God says, I have lifted my word above my name. When I promise, I promise. We want to seek God and focus on his power when we pray, but we also want to focus on his promises. All his promises are yes and amen. God is a good God. And he wants to be good to you. He wants to be good to us. His thoughts are about us at all times. I can't remember exactly the reference. The pastor probably can help me. But the scripture says God has written our names on his, the palms of his hands. 
He makes promises. He keeps promises. He will see you through. I could never imagine the answers that God would come up with to get me out of a situation that I was in. I could never imagine. Neither can you. So let's continue. Verse 10. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. So they're referring to in Deuteronomy chapter 2, when they were going through, they were leaving Egypt, the Lord told them, don't go through, well, don't attack Esau's children or descendants, because they're your brothers. Jacob and Esau, these Edomites, these Amorites, these are all Edomites, which were descendants of Esau. And they were family, were considered family. So so God's directed them at, the, at that time, don't, don't fight with them. And he says, I'm not going to give you even one little step of their property. I've given that to them. But now here they come. They come to, to reward us. They, look how they're going to pay us back for that. God is not fair. How many times have I said that? How many times have you said that? I, I know it. I know it. It feels like I'm getting in your business. I know, but let's, let's be real. One of the things that we need to be reminded of when we pray is God fathered me. He's in control. He's a sovereign Lord. And when things seem unfair, <laughs> he's still in control. He's still the sovereign Lord. <laughs> That's good news. Because I I made some crazy, crazy mistakes in my life. And God was still in control. He still loves me in spite of all that nonsense. That foolishness. There's some hard, hard things to deal with in my life. I didn't want to be a kid to grow up without his mom. But maybe God allowed me to do that so that when I share at funerals and I, I immediately see people get comforted through the comfort which I've been comforted with and the loss of their loved ones. Maybe it's God's sovereignty for me to be here today in his providence sharing this with you. Sometimes things don't go the way you want them to go. I, I just had surgery a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago. And at this age, you know, who wants to have hernia surgery? Okay, everybody put your hand up. <laughs> I did not. And... Okay, God, I'm not going to say it's not fair, but you know what I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, I used to be such an athlete, and, and I, I really didn't understand why now, and then, of course, going on under the, the anesthesia and all that, and just kind of having my wife worry and kids worry. And I just, I'm like, what? You know, I mean, I could really do without this. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> And I go through the surgery, and I'm there, and I'm getting ready to leave, and there's this nurse getting ready to carry me out in the wheelchair. And there's a new thing I'm learning called prayer evangelism. Um, and, uh, and I just ask her, is there anything I could be praying with her about? And um, 
And she said, no, just, just good help. And I said, well, I wonder if you've ever came to a place where you knew for certain you were going to heaven. She said, no. I said, you mind if I share with you? She said, please do. So I go through the gospels. And she's probably one of the most responsive people I've ever seen. Her name is Rebecca. You pray for her. She's a nurse. She said I can share the story. I pray for her. She responded, responded, responded. She was almost like, come on, get to it. I need to know how to do it. <laughs> and I said, you need to. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. So all you have to do is open the door. And that's through prayer. Say to him, Lord Jesus, she prayed the prayer. And immediately, without a whole, not a whole lot of nudging or explanation, she got it and was excited. And then share with me how she had been abused through a marriage and was really just trying to recover from that. How her husband had beat her and, and those things. And I was like, wow. Maybe in God's providence, he wanted me to go through surgery for this moment, for this encounter. I know that there are hard things in your life. I know there are things that nobody can give you explanation for. And sometimes you're not going to understand till the other side. But know for certain, have no doubt in your heart. The absolute sovereign Lord is in charge of your situation. And in providence, he has allowed those things to happen. And so as we finally make the fourth and final point, we go on and he said, look how they're rewarding us. He says, will you not judge them? Verse nine, uh, excuse me, the verse, I believe this is 12. For we are powerless, the helpless, before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so the fourth thing that we must focus on when we're praying through crisis is the presence of God. There's nothing going on in your life right now, my life right now. That God's presence is not the cure for. Seeking Jesus. Grabbing on to Jesus. Is the answer. It's the hope. We were in the class and they were teaching us how we need to focus on the Lord's prayer when we pray. It's a, a simple way. God has given us everything we need in that prayer to understand his love for us. And how we need to be praying and praying for ourselves and praying for his kingdom and his kingdom advancement. But it says, our father, our father who is in heaven. He's our father because we all belong to him. We all are his children. So united together as his body, we are to come before him and pray together because he's teaching us how to pray as our father. He's our father. Your problems are my problems. My problems are your problems. You share your problems here together. You should be united together. And how do you, we unite together? It's through prayer. The, the children of Israel standing before God in his court together with their infants and their children. And they're gathering together saying, saying, God, here we are. 
united together in prayer. You're our father. You're the one who promised to be with us. A father. Think of a, a relationship between a father and a son. I was saying goodbye to my son this morning because we're getting ready to go away for two weeks. And he had to give me this big bear hug. And I'm telling you, it's the most priceless thing in my life. And that's how God feels about you and me. And so we, we need to rush into his presence. We need to cry out to him and say, you're our father. We have hope. We have solution. We have guidance. We have counsel. We have protection. We have provision. You're everything we need. Everything we need is in you. We're not going to anyone else. We're not going to make any alliances. We're not going to come up with our own logic and reason. We're going to put our dependence, our trust in you, our Father. We're going to trust you with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. We don't see a way out. But again, God can come up with ways out that you never imagined. So, I want us to do an exercise, and then I want to close the sermon. Um, Pastor, is this okay? Okay, you guys, it's summertime. Let's, let's get loose, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm a model getting loose. What I want you to do is I want you to take your time. If you're a family, stay together. But form groups of three, and I want us to pray together. Because to hear a sermon like this and talk about God is our Father, the need to pray, and the need to be in his presence, let's take the moment right now and get in his presence. And I want to guide us in a prayer. Are you okay with that? No, if you're uncomfortable, you know, let's do it anyway. <laughs> Come on, let's real quick, real quick. We, we, it's going to just take five minutes, ten minutes, ten minutes here. Ten minutes, just groups of threes. Uh, they're called triad groups uh, in this book I read. I got this from uh, John Smed, uh, Prayer Revolution, if you want to read it. But he calls it triads. Uh, I saw these movies, the triads were, were Chinese mafia, so I changed it to gamma groups. It's the third letter of the, of the alphabet. <laughs> so gamma, gamma groups. And what we want to do now is use the Lord's Prayer as a guide all the way through to just pray as you pray. And then when it says, forgive us our sins, say it and, and pray it back to God. And your kingdom come, your will be done. Pray it. And then as you're praying, make sure in there you take time and just confess and repent of something, some item. Uh, I got to repent of overeating, okay? So I'll I, I set the tone. So you, you go right ahead and let's pray. Let's take, we're going to take about five minutes and that, then we'll finish the message. Just feel led. You can pray out loud together. Yeah. Don't be shy.
take turns in short sentences. Take turns in short sentences. Pray and ask. Pray and and think about the things that break the heart of God in our in our lives and in our nation. Pray for those things that you know that break God's break God's heart. Excuse me. Now, let's take this last minute and ask the Lord to bless our nation and deliver us from the evil that's in our country. So, Father, we thank you that you are our Father. And, God, we can seek you. And you have answers. You have answers for our country. You have answers for our homes. You have answers for our schools. You have answers for our church. Bless us and continue to lead us as your people. Bless now. Give us a heart to be praying people, to prioritize prayer, to make it a priority in our hearts. In every aspect of ministry, every gathering, every meeting to gather and use the Lord's prayer as an opportunity to just pray together. Lord Jesus, I ask your blessing on this church. Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. So you may be seated. And so A.W. Tozer said this, if the Holy Spirit is withdrawn from the church today, 95 percent of what we do would go on. And no one would know the difference. Then he said, but if the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit withdrew from the New Testament church, 95 percent of what they did. Did would stop and everybody would know the difference. God's presence is his spirit. How do we connect with his spirit is through prayer. And his power comes. His presence comes. So they were there helpless. And then the prophet said, 
hey, we're not going to have to fight this battle. God's going to fight it. And that's what prayer is. The pastor was sharing with me this morning that prayer is not something we add on to what we do. Prayer is the thing we do. If we're not praying, we're not doing anything. Because it only happens through God's power. It can only be produced through God's power. And so Jehoshaphat told him, get the choir together. <laughs> Let's get the praise music. And don't worry. Have faith. Trust the Lord. <coughs> Go out and face this enemy. This was a vast army. They were overwhelmed. They had no way out. So now this is our military strategy. We're going to face this huge army that's about to annihilate us. Let's get about three or four hundred people in front and make sure that they're singing loud and playing the music and praising and worshiping God. And we're going to follow behind. This is not a military strategy. But when they get they started to praise, the scripture says, God caused the enemies to destroy themselves. And when they got to Toa, all they saw was all the bodies and what was left was the wealth that they left behind, took three days to gather it, and they named the place the Valley of Blessing, Baraka. Baraka. And then the scripture says, and Jehoshaphat was given peace on all sides, and all his enemies feared. He started out with them fearing, and now they were fearing because he had seen God's power at work, and he was depending on the Lord. What are we missing out on as a church as a denomination, as a body of Christ, as a nation, worldwide, as a local congregation, what are we missing out on because prayer is not a priority to us? Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all we ask. We ask you to bless this church here today and to continue the ministry here as, as it flourishes and grows. Continue to lead Kevin and the leaders, and God, what a wonderful work they're doing of discipleship and reaching out here in Clinton. Let it ever expand. Father, I pray that they would have to be able to knock out more walls. Lord Jesus, in your name, thank you for this time. Amen. Thank you, brother. Praise the Lord. Would you, uh, would you just spend a couple minutes talking about Sheer Montgomery? All right. Uh, and about how we can be praying for you. Okay. Now, the five minutes we're going over, you just have to attribute to, I grew up Baptist, so you just have to. <laughs> um, it's amazing to me. I, I've been a pastor. I started a church in St. Louis, uh, pastored for 14 years. Uh, then I came here as a pastor of uh, Two Cities Church. And in, a, in through circumstances, the church had to clo close. The, the money was gone. And then it was an issue of what are we going to do? <laughs> And God's providence, he had brought us here. And I'm like, what am I doing here in Alabama? And, and no job. I said, God's got to be, have a plan. So long story short, we went away on a sabbatical. We fasted. We prayed. We said, Lord, at this point in our life, we want you to really show us the next steps. And we came back, and uh, we had already met Paul Hahn from, uh, he was at that time, the director of Mission to North America, our, the outreach arm, one of the outreach arms of our denomination. And, and we had become really connected to each other, and we were praying about what, you know, they were all praying about, and, and which was amazing to me, uh, Trinity Presbyterian, Young Meadows, 
and the church there had formed a, a, a union, and they were meeting with me to pray, uh, James, we want you to stay here. We want to move forward with you. What do you want to do? You tell us we want to get on board with whatever you want to do. You want to do campus ministry. You want to start another church. And I was like, wow, I was overwhelmed. I really was. So I knew, you know, it's like Solomon praying for, you know, you can have all the wealth in the world or pray for wisdom. <laughs> I started crying out for wisdom. I don't know what to do. And so one morning I woke up and this thing came in my head, um, the Center for Urban Renewal and Evangelism. And I started writing down what was really in my heart, had been in my heart for years, how I would like to focus the church back toward promoting the gospel. And I read the scriptures where it says in Matthew 9, 35, and Jesus went throughout all the <laughs> villages and cities <laughs> teaching in the synagogue and proclaiming the gospel. I was like, what? I know, I, did I, I know I've seen this before. <laughs> proclaim, Jesus proclaim the gospel? Anybody can say, I don't proclaim it, I just live it. It's Jesus. <laughs> and then he was healing the sick and dealing with all kinds of affliction. So Jesus had a holistic ministry. The gospel is the advancement of the kingdom on earth. The gospel is the answer for social problems. The gospel is the teaching the sound teaching, uh, and I, I believe Jesus taught the Reformed faith, but, you know, that's my theory. And, and, and people need the word of God, and it starts with the gospel. So what if God is calling me to call our denomination back to the idea that we need to proclaim the gospel and teach? Make disciples. This rich heritage we have, this rich teaching, since we know that <laughs> all who were appointed for eternal life will believe. Let's go and tell them about it because we know somebody's going to hear it and, and God's going to lead somebody to faith. So I wanted to be a part of this. It's simple. It's a, it's a uh, evangelism training network where we want to equip pastors and lay people in personal evangelism to impact, well, Montgomery and beyond in the area and hopefully at some point missions. And so my job basically is to mentor, model, and equip and send people out. So the great thing was uh, there was a church, inner city church there that's doing a tremendous work. They just did a whole rehab in their community, brought this community center back. This, the mayor and the governor were there and all excited about this pastor of this church with his team. He asked me, come train us. So I have a partnership with Strong Tower Church there in Montgomery. It's right in the worst inner city you could possibly be in, the worst housing, the killings. The two pastors have had bullets go through their house. And so we went out, and we, I, sh I modeled for them, and they are excited. They want me to take them once a month and sharing the gospel. Uh, Young Meadows Presbyterian got excited about it. So the pastor and a couple of the elders and three teens, we went out in the neighborhood and said, hey, we're, we're at the pretty church here. <laughs> And we shared with people, and people were open, and one lady was thinking about suicide, and it was a priceless thing. I met a pastor in that, at, in, that day, and now he's asking me to disciple him and come equip his church. And so uh, one of the other things that unfolded was, which I didn't know, Mitchell Road Presbyterian, we had made a connection with them, and they 
are involved in this whole idea of, uh, can I use the term, being woke about race. <laughs> and they, they were visiting the, the, the equal justice thing with the lynching memorials, and, and they were learning all this history, and they were like, what do we do with this? And you're a PCA, come talk to us. And so we shared our stories, and we said, hey, basically, uh, you know what? Don't be feeling guilty. <laughs> All of this is taken care of on the cross. The answer is the gospel. <laughs> and let's love each other. And let's listen and talk more and get better understanding. And somehow, Barbara and I sharing with them and introducing them to Dr. Ellis, who has a real biblical view of critical race theory, they were just excited. And it's about 30 folks. And they brought interns, and, and the interns are going on to their ministries, and they're coming back in the fall. So, and it's kind of unfolding. And in the meantime, I met this young pastor who from California used to be with Greg Laurie. I don't know if you know him, but uh, he was his forerunner for his crusade. So he came here to Montgomery to forerun in Alabama and got convicted that God was calling him to Dexter Street. And so he met me, and he's like, Pastor James, you've been doing this. And he, he's asked, he's, he's like pleading with me to mentor him. So we pray every night together. And he, he's been going out with me witnessing. And it's just phenomenal. So I'm waiting. I really don't know <laughs> how it's going to go. I'm just waiting for the next things to unfold. So, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. So I hope I didn't take too long on that, that the whole sermon on the, on the cure. <laughs> how can we be thankful for me, my children? They need God's grace in their lives. Pray for my children. And uh, Barb and I will get our next paper in <laughs> by the night. We had to get an extension for this. We're getting our master's certificate in, uh, at, this, at the Edmondson Center at RTS in Atlanta. And I'm excited for her to do this. First time she's taking class with me. <laughs> and she got her paper in early. I got mine in at four minutes before the deadline. <laughs> so pray for us to do well and safe travel as we go to uh, GA and um, going up to visit our folks in Milwaukee and back home and, and our kids at home together. Awesome. All right. A uh, couple of things just to be praying for as you pray this week. Uh, this is this week is our general assembly. That's where uh, elders from across our denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America, were gathering in St. Louis. We have some big issues uh, mm -hmm. that that we'll be talking about, and so um, that spirit that James just mentioned. Um, he's heading to St. Louis. I'm heading to St. Louis tomorrow. But be praying for the elders of your church as we gather. That the Spirit would lead us mm. uh, in our in our deliberations, yes. in our talking. Yes. Uh, that we would treat one another charitably, but also that God would uh, preserve His church. Mm. Uh, that God would de defend and and lead His church. So mm. let's uh, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father in heaven, God, we thank you so much for James. We thank you for uh, the ministry that you have given him over the years. The ministry, uh, how you have been equipping him and and writing his story and, and Barbara's story for this very moment, uh, for their presence in Montgomery, uh, for their mentoring and discipling of other church leaders uh, and other church members. Um, Lord, 
We need, we need to hear the good news again and again and again. And so I thank you for their willingness to stay in Montgomery uh, and to uh, preach and teach and make disciples uh, in hard places. So we pray for their ministry. God, we pray for their children, that they would know your grace, Lord, that they would come to know your saving love. Lord, we pray for our country. Uh, we pray particularly for our church in your country. Yes, Lord. Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, oh, that God. you would revive us. We need revival. Lord, we, we, Jehoshaphat's words are ours. We do not know what to do. <laughs> and so we come and we seek your face. Yes. Lord, we pray for our friend Neil, and we pray for his family. Mm. Lord, as um, death does not seem to be very far away for him, Lord, we pray that you would uphold them. We pray particularly for Ivy and Clay and Bailey and Zach, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, that they would not grow angry or bitter, uh, but they would uh, grow in faith even uh, even as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, would you glorify your name in our church and around the world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us.